This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They have completely gone off the deep end. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, Zolgad and Harrigan back at the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, Phil Mackey at the Hubbard Studios in uh, Phoenix. Now, sir, have you gotten wind of this uh, Stephen A. Smith meltdown on the Packers? Pretty compelling just, stuff. Just, just from what you guys have told okay. me, I so I, I was going to put this in our prep notes for today. Anyways, that the Packers this week, some story came out on Packers.com. So it's just like propaganda from their own organization that the Packers are interested in locking Aaron Rodgers up beyond the two years of team options they have for 2018 and 19. To which, by the way, and I don't want to spoil Stephen A.'s rant because I haven't heard it yet. Mm-hmm. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, after what I saw on the field. When I was taken out of the equation and how terrible they looked in some of those games and how they haven't been aggressive enough in free agency and they've just leaned on him to get them to 10 to 12 wins every year without actually being true championship contenders, I'd say, prove it. Go build a roster around me before I think about signing beyond two years from now. That's BS. Stephen A. is even more disgusted than you are about this. Let's take a listen uh, to what he had to say yesterday about what the Green Bay Packers have done. The Green Bay Packers, as an organization, has done close to nothing to help this man. Religiously, their defense is suspect. Offensively, they've been devoid of a running game for most of those years. They literally have taken this man for granted. They have sat up there, they have thrown him out there, and they've said, so long as we got Aaron Rodgers, all is right with the world. There is a dereliction of duty that they have exercised. They have not done enough to appreciate this. Man, they have not done enough to support this man. They have left him hanging, and he has carried this franchise on his back. And then to add insult to injury, the blasphemy that they committed when they sat up there and how the hell do you have Aaron Rodgers and you get rid of a quarterback coach and don't even tell him? How does Aaron Rodgers be an individual that is the star that he is and once walked into once walked into Ted Thompson's office, my, uh, uh, Max Kellerman, and basically said, hey, according to what I was told, walked into their office and said, you know what, we could use some help. You know what, we could use some help. We don't have much of a running game right now. Eddie Lacy goes down. We could use some help and was told to get the hell out of their office. He has been treated like a fair-weather stepchild. He is not appreciated. They do not recognize nor appreciate the greatness of this man. I feel so adamant about this, so strongly about this. I have been on a record, and I mean it from the bottom of my soul, 
<laughs> I don't give a damn if it's the next two first-round picks or three first-round picks. If you're the New York Jets, if you're the Cleveland Browns, and anybody in between outside of New England, Pittsburgh, and, and, and New Orleans. And by the way, I would I consider it for Pittsburgh, to be quite honest with you. Let me tell you something right now. You got an opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers. You give up the house for that man. So if I feel that way about another team, imagine what I think Green Bay should be doing. You give this man what the hell he wants. I don't give a damn if Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I want a pedicure every two, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I want a personal masseuse every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Get my breakfast, like get schedule. my lunch, get my dinner. I want chauffeur service. I want a private jet. I don't give a damn what he wants. <laughs> give it to him because he's only 34 and he is a bad <laughs> man. <laughs> wait, That's wait. A, I, yeah. I take issue with the end of that. Only 34. He's already 34 is the way I look at it. And he has one Super Bowl ring because Green Bay, you know what? That's the rare Stephen A. Smith rant that I agree with 100%. Yeah, and Stephen A. is right, though. I'm giving him a standing ovation. Because Aaron is still very much in his prime. Now, now, what the Packers would say to Stephen A. Smith and to us is, this is why Ted Thompson's now a consultant. I, this yeah. whole thing, this whole thing, I mean, Ted's gone. I think Ted uh, began to struggle a little bit in the job in, in the last few years, and I don't know exactly why. And we could throw out theories as to why, but I think Ted began to struggle a bit. But I think the number one reason why Ted is no longer the GM of this team and Brian Gutekunst has the job, Phil, is because Aaron Rodgers finally told the board, enough is enough. I'd love to know to what degree Aaron Rodgers feels an obligation or or a loyalty to the organization that that he's been with you know since the day he stepped foot in the NFL to be there for for the end of his career because I don't I I know a lot of people say that you know he kind of wants to be the guy who ends his career there I don't think I don't know if I buy that I don't know if if Brett Favre left Green Bay and Brett Favre was more Green Bay and more Packer than Aaron Rodgers in my mind Rodgers is uh, a little bit more California cool. Rodgers dates celebrities. And I think Rodgers has shown that he's fed up with the organization in recent years as well. This is the one thing that would give me pause on Kirk Cousins. And I know you're going to laugh and it sounds absurd. And yes, the Vikings should be thinking about 2018 first and foremost. Go win a Super Bowl in a Super Bowl window. But if there's a 10% chance... Aaron Rodgers, after the 2019 season, when he'll still only be 35, going to be 36, but also that's you know there's probably only a year or two left of of prime there. If there's a 10% chance you could land Aaron Rodgers after he's done with his contract in Green Bay, you got to explore that. You have to explore it. Yes. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> number 12 of your Minnesota Vikings. And if you sign, obviously, if you sign Kirk Cousins to a contract, he's going to have so much guaranteed money still in three years from now, it'll take you out of the Aaron Rodgers running. But aren't you going to look at that if Rodgers just says, you know what, you guys haven't put a defense around me. Tom Brady has all these rings, and now Brady's been in the league a lot longer, but Tom Brady has all these rings, and Tom Brady only once or twice in his career with the Patriots has had a below-average defense. In fact, I think the Patriots, in about 15 of Tom Brady's seasons, have had 
a top 10 defense. Aaron Rodgers only twice in his career with the Packers has had a top 10 defense, and half the time it's bottom five or bottom six in the league. I'm looking at the Packers if I'm Rodgers saying, Mike Zimmer has put together something great over there. There's a bunch of other organizations I could go to, not have to score 30 points, not have to hand the ball off to some idiot sixth-round pick that does nothing. Uh, My running back who has... Eddie Lacy up until he signed with Seattle, who had weight clauses because he's too fat coming into training camp but this, every year. This is why they made the change. I mean, this, Ted, Ted Thompson, the 1A and 1B reason why Ted Thompson is gone is because of this. Because they're finally tired of... I mean, this team, we know for a fact that with, with the money they make uh, on their local fees and, and the, uh, and the uh, National Football League distribution revenue sharing... This team makes plenty to go, just like everybody yeah. else does, to go spend on free agents. So the reason why Ted is finally gone is because of this. And my guess is Rogers finally said, "Look, guys, I'm going to give you one more chance. You, I mean, you, you it- got one more chance." And if because here's here's the thing where where I think old fogies like myself need to get past this. There was a time, and in my youth, this was still a big deal, and certainly going back, Ripken Orioles, it, it was. And we thought this with Favre, and it didn't turn out to be. But there was a time, I think, when playing for one team was a huge deal. I think to complete your career with one team, and maybe for Brady, that's still the case, Phil. But we live in an era now where it's not that big of a deal. So if you go to Aaron and say, Aaron, you can retire a lifetime Packer, and it's going to be good, and you might have one more championship, but that's it, and you might not. Or you can go to the Vikings or pick your team, and you can have, at the end of your career, mega success. Yeah. I think I think people Aaron Rodgers' age, and rightfully so, are going to say, give me the success. Yes. I mean, I'll go so far as saying, again, I agree with Stephen A. Smith, the entire two-minute rant. Aaron Rodgers would be an absolute moron to sign that contract extension. He's going to get paid $20 million a year the next two years because he's obligated to stay with the Packers contractually. They have they have the option. The guaranteed money is gone, so it's kind of a year-to-year thing where if he wasn't good, they could cut him, but obviously they're not going to. So they are technically team options the next two years for Rodgers, and they're going to exercise those. I would 100% go into that contract year and make the Packers front office, the new front office, prove it to me. And yeah, if not, there's no reason he, not to. He he has no obligation. Brett Favre put in his time. That was a different situation because he was waffling near the end and they had drafted Rodgers. But if you put in a decade plus, like LeBron James' first run with the, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's the same thing. And people got so mad at him after seven or eight years with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he looks around the room and says, I just won 60 games with Larry Hughes and Anton Jameson mm-hmm. as my sidekicks. I'm going to go, I'm going to, sorry guys, I'm going to go explore my options with Dwayne Wade, and Aaron Rodgers should do the same thing, except he should just drive his butt across the border and play for the Vikings. <laughs> Here, Unless they sign Kirk Cousins, in which case it's going to be tough financially. Here's the difference between Favre and, and what's going on in Green Bay now. The difference is this. Mike McCarthy said at halftime of the 2007 conference title game against the Giants, if I could have benched Brett Favre, if his name was anything but Brett Favre, I would have benched him. And the Packers saw the Packers at that point saw Favre as the liability. So he was essentially told, don't don't you want to quit playing now because the Packers were tired of his act. This is the exact opposite. Rodgers is tired of their act. Yeah. So so this Amazing. is very so this is very much I mean Brett left Green Bay, retired initially, came back and then tried tried to get his revenge 
In Aaron's case, Aaron's saying, what the hell are you people doing? I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback, and by the way, I'm still playing like that? Yeah. And yet Ted Thompson, for for years now, has done nothing for me. So so the Favre thing was the Packers trying to end it for him. This is going to be up to the player in this case to say, I finally got to go do what's best. So if the Packers don't go sign guys, if the Packers continue down this, this path of we develop players, we draft players, if I'm Rodgers, I said, that's fine. Brett Hundley, you could play quarterback here. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, in some in some ways, they have the Packers, two Super Bowl wins in the past 25 years and two of the greatest quarterbacks ever. I think most Vikings fans would absolutely take that fortune and that stability. But at the same time, it's it's a pretty major underachievement. It's a pretty major oh, underachievement. Oh, to not have more titles? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Get your, how hard can it be to GM? When you have Aaron Rodgers, all you have to do is find a competent defense and some skill position players. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they found they found some skill guys. But anyways, that was pretty good. Stephen A. Smith, something we agree with on the show. Let's come back here and uh, take a trip to Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers. Derek Wetmore. So the Twins, Derek Falvey said yesterday, they're pretty much done. There's a pretty high likelihood that this is the roster and they're going to fill out the pitching staff with internal guys. They could still make a trade later on this summer. But all right, if this is it. Is it enough? How far can they go? Let's talk more about that with Wetmore when we come back. Judd is in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie down here, Hubbard Phoenix. Mackie and Judd are back. Here it is. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie at the Hubbard Studios in Arizona. Zolgad back here at the TCL Broadcast Studios in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And Derek Wetmore, the final piece to this puzzle, at Hammond Stadium in uh, Fort Myers. So, Derek, how did a day one of uh, Sano go? I, I saw that he had a, I believe it was credited as a base hit, but I saw that he had a misguided throw, actually made one nice play. And then I'll tell you this, because you probably didn't see this. The Star Tribune did a, uh, in fact, there was a Royce column on Miguel today. And if you uh, get your hands on the paper at some point in time and go to C8, there's a picture of Miguel. Uh, I would say he looks to be about 350 pounds in that picture. <laughs> it's not a very flattering photo of one Miguel Sano. Yeah. He looks like a right yeah. guard. Yeah, and that's being kind because uh, I think you could probably bump him out to tackle and feel pretty confident about your protection. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see the photo, but I've it's seen Miguel all spring. And in the past, we talked about him as just sort of a big guy. You know, he's got his big shoulders, he's got tree trunks for legs, and he's just strong. And I would say he still has that, you know, big kid strength, but there's also, uh, there's also, uh, it invokes the old line that Gardy used to like. You guys ever heard the story about the reliever who came to camp? Jose Maharis. Overweight? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Miha. And somebody says, hey, Gardy, uh, <laughs> Naharis, he got to camp the other day. Uh, did he report to camp in shape? Well, he reported in a shape. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of what makes it makes me think of that with, you know, Sano is going to always be a guy who carries more weight around. But this is the first time where I've really felt like this isn't football player big. Yeah, this is kind of like offensive lineman big. So, Judd, uh, You've been kind of twisting this needle with me all spring because a couple of years ago I said, no, 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 it's premature to worry about this. You're overreacting. You're panicking over nothing. And uh guess I see where you're going with this now. 
Uh, so, Wetmore, let's dive into this just for uh, for a minute in that Derek Falvey basically said, so we had Doogie on for a scoop segment last hour. He said the Twins offered, as it was told to him, a two-year deal for between 10 and $12 million to Lance Lynn, and it was kind of laughed at on the Lance Lynn side because they're looking for either a better one-year deal to reset his value or something more on a multi. So, but the, you know, so it sounds like the Twins are, if they can get some good value, they might add another piece, but Derek Falvey said there's a pretty good chance this is the roster that we're going to take uh, in, into the season. Where does this put them in your mind? They, they're not Cleveland or Houston. They're not the Yankees in my mind, but I think this roster gets them to the trade deadline so that they can add another piece that might help them actually make noise in the postseason. I think it's a playoff team, a wildcard team right now. What do you think? Yeah. Did you say two years, 12 million? Yeah. <laughs> what? And why? I guess, I guess you just have to ask every pretty girl if she'll go to the dance with you. And just in case she accidentally says yes or something, but if you're out there with those kinds of offers, you're not getting a Jake Arietta. You're not getting an Alex Cobb. You're apparently not getting a Lance Lynn. Um, I do think that they're a borderline playoff team, Phil, but I'd be, boy, I, I wouldn't feel confident about that. And, and maybe that's just me hedging my bets. You guys know me. I tend to, uh, I tend to take the safest routes possible. But in this case, I don't really think they're even in the conversation with Cleveland. I don't think they're in the conversation with the New Yorks and the Bostons of the world. I think they're pretty clearly a step behind those teams. Uh, could you get to the trade deadline and be within spitting distance of a wild card? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably the hope for this team right now. But, you know, if, if you think that this is a, a runaway playoff team or one that's going to be fairly well assured of being one of the wild cards in the American League. I think that's either overconfidence in the players that you do have or expecting the best case scenario out of every single player. And I mean, we've just seen that in the past in any sport for any team really doesn't matter. You can get into training camp and say, this is what he can be when he's at his best. And inevitably a certain number of guys don't even come close to that threshold. So I, I, I see them as still needing to add to be in that playoff mix comfortably but, you know, it's also baseball, so you could see them sort of hanging around. And if you load up in the middle of July, then that could be a pretty good postseason team as well. Derek, what is the theory down there about all these guys who are still on their couch? I mean, this is, if not unprecedented, it is very odd. And you have a lot of players, not just a few. You've got a lot of players and some big names still at home, is there is there a theory in the baseball community down there about how how this is going to shake out? Because I I can't see these guys all saying, you know what, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and damn it, I'm not going to play in 2018. So what's going to, in in your opinion, from the people you've talked to, what's going to happen here? Yeah, well, just to clarify, they're not at home. A lot of these guys are training at their own independent spring training sure. in Bradenton, but Florida. they're not playing for big so, league teams. Is my point. Yeah, that's exactly right. But like, so take this for example, Logan Morrison didn't start spring training with a club, but he gets here today and it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. I watched him taking ground balls. I watched him hit every batting practice fastball over the fence and he's got some ridiculous pop. Um, so it's not like he's starting from square zero and has to come in. With that being said, if you're Jake Arrieta or something like that, I would think now is the time that you start to say, uh, okay, Let's get something done here. And I don't think if you're Arietta or more specifically his agent, Mr. Boris, you're not exactly inclined to just take 
some percentage of the five-year deals that you were shopping for. You wouldn't be like, oh, well, we wanted seven and 200 million, but now we'll take four and 80 or something like that. I think you'd be much more likely to say, give me a one-year deal so I can get this qualifying offer thing behind me. We can move on from this crazy offseason. I'll bet on myself, pitch well this year, and then in one of the most loaded free agent classes that any of us can remember in 2019, you'll rejoin the market and hope that teams are actually spending again. That's when the Yankees are going to go out, when the Dodgers are going to go out, and they'll be less afraid of going over that luxury tax, um, which which should open up the market, I would think. So I don't know if you do that if you're Lance Lynn. I don't know if you do it if you're Alex Cobb, but I think if you're Jake Arrieta, you could – you could you have two choices. You take a discounted deal over multiple years and just say, well, this was my last chance to cash in. Or you bet on yourself, take a one-year deal, go crush it in 2018, and get back on the market as soon as you can. Derek Wetmore is down at Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers covering twin spring training for us, 1500ESPN.com. And a huge thank you to you guys, the Mackie and Judd listeners, and everyone who subscribes to and listens to the Touch Em All podcast. We have shattered our previous monthly download record for the Touch Em All podcasts uh, during spring training here. So thank you, guys. Much appreciated. And go subscribe and check it out. Derek, I know you had a conversation with Jake Odorizzi. This is what's fun about baseball right now. You've got this you've got this data war and teams are loading up on information and the best teams are the ones that are able to not only have the best players but are able to correctly and accurately communicate all of this information to human beings to make them better at baseball. And the Twins have had with with Jeff Pickler and a couple other guys in the organization, they've put some focus on former players or coaches who can disseminate that information to the human beings on the field, and maybe it adds wins. Jake Odorizzi was with Tampa Bay, and that's one of the most analytically friendly teams in baseball. So what did he tell you about some of these inner workings, Derek? Yeah, so I'll have a story on this, but the quick version is that Jake Odorizzi is a, he, he gets the stats, he likes it, but he's also quick to acknowledge, hey, you can't just tell me what my spin rate is and say, that this is how you pitch and it's game over, plug it into the computer and we're going. It's still pitching. You still have to command the strike zone. You still have to the hitters and drive the count. You still have to do those sort of things. And what Odorizzi said, the Rays have an interesting way of communicating it. They they wouldn't say something to you uh like take for example Odorizzi stuff. They wouldn't say, Hey, you've got an above average spin rate on your fastball, so you should work up in the zone because it messes with hitters' eye levels. But they give you a sort of grade, and and he wouldn't tell me the exact grading system. But, you know, on the lines of you'd say you've got a 9 or a 10 or an 11, and the higher up you go, the more success you're going to have working high in the strike zone and then changing eye levels down in the strike zone. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how his repertoire plays out because his pitch mix is basically fastball, which he can use up or down, and then if he's thrown a fastball up, his curveball comes from the same place, and it's a hammer-down curveball. So yeah. a hitter might be thinking fastball, 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 and jump up to the top of the zone to make the curveball dive under his bat then. And and the last pitch he really uses effectively at the bottom of the strike zone is that split changeup that he learned from Alex Cobb that just sort of starts low and then darts. So I'm just going to be really interested to see how with the Twins he carries that over and uses all their wealth of information to say, okay, what are the best pitches in what counts? 
how do I attack hitters and, and how do I set them up for these different pitches? Cause that's really where he got his effectiveness in Tampa Bay. Um, I'm curious to learn more and more about how the twins are going to communicate that stuff, but the Rays, their basic approach was, okay, we know all the data. We think we can help you with this sort of stuff, but we also know we can't just tell you what your spin rate is and say, Oh, you got a 2400 RPMs. So do this guy. It's much more complicated than that. And, and you're still working with people who've, who've, you know, learned pitching all throughout their life without needing to know their spin rate. Um, so it, maybe that's too long of an answer to your question, wow. but I think that the big competitive advantage for teams, whether it's the Rays or really, let's talk about the Astros because they're the ones that are doing it really, really well right now. It's not just knowing the numbers and, and figuring stuff out on a spreadsheet and saying, okay, we win the World Series. It's knowing them, synthesizing what they mean, and then figuring out how to put an action plan into place that makes your players better, makes them perform at their top percentile. And that's what Houston's done really well. I think New York's doing it really well. I'm curious to see if the Twins put themselves into that conversation, too. Yeah, and you know, and Derek, I think I, I was having a conversation with somebody, a friend of mine who does a lot of this work on the pitching side with another team in baseball. I was having this conversation a month ago, and he said, the way we're trying, we're, we're, we're oftentimes trying to decipher if we know a hitter's weakness, should we go after their weakness or stick with a pitcher's strength that we know a lot about? And that's another delicate dance, too, where, hey, maybe my strength is fastballs up in the zone because I have a high spin rate fastball. Or maybe I have a sinker and a heavy fastball, and so that's my strength. And oftentimes the, the, the pitching guru will have to step in and say, right, but, like, that hitter <laughs> – Absolutely. Look at the heat map. That hitter absolutely destroys that thing that you're trying to do. So you have to be mindful of that, too, when you're trying to, to go about this chess match. Yes, and I've talked to a lot of players who are there. I've said this for years, that I think Major League Baseball players are uh, cocky sounds like a mean word, but I think it's the only one that fits. They're confident beyond rationality, and that makes sense, because if you're not, you don't get here. If if you doubt yourself and if you don't think you're the best, well, maybe you'll get to double A and be a good player, but pretty unlikely you'll be in the show. And with that being said, almost to a man, every person that I ask about that, do you, would you put your strengths against his strengths? The answer is always yes. They don't want to go to something that's their secondary stuff. You've heard the cliche, I don't want to get beat on my second best pitch. And it's a cliche because – Basically, every pitcher that I talk to believes that. They can say, hey, I know Brian Dozier is a great high fastball hitter, one of the best in all of baseball, but I work up in the zone. That's just my stuff. And they're willing to take that gamble that Dozier is going to take him deep to left field because this is what I do really well, and sometimes he might pop out. I'm going to bet that just about every major league player would rather play his strengths against someone else's strengths than go to his second or third strongest attribute even if it's the pitcher's weakness. Uh, and, and that's just a fascinating dance that the Twins are going to get involved in here, too. God, that was, if you if you love baseball, that 10 minutes, you need a smoke after that 10 minutes right there, Judd. <laughs> you are, that's inner ball guy Wetmore, stuff right there. Wetmore is talking about my long-held belief that athletes are able to suspend reality in a remarkable way yes. to believe that they can succeed when you say, kid, you got no shot. Yeah. Yes, although I, I have to say, we say it kind of almost making fun of them, but 
honestly, I'm kind of envious that you just think, hey, I could just call into Mackie and Judd and just have a great segment no matter what. Hey, Derek, I, you know, Derek, that belief might be, there might be something yeah, to yeah, that. Except, and that's great as long as you're playing, but this is why so many guys fall flat on their faces post-playing careers, because yes. that belief gets you in trouble in real life. Yes, absolutely so right. don't Dad. sweat it. Continue yeah, to be Mr. Non-Zero Conservative. Yeah, <laughs> I will continue to bring my non-zero chance takes and uh, save you guys the hot take police button for another guest. All right. Thank you, Derek Wetmore. Hi, Derek. Thanks, guys. Derek, uh, checking in from Fort Myers, as he does on a daily basis, giving us an update on the Twins and uh, what he's got on 1500ESPN.com. So check that out. Dave Harrigan, what do you have coming up in questions for us? Oh, the things I have coming up. I want to talk about what you've been watching on that beautiful TCL 55-inch oh, 4K Roku TV today. And we're also going to talk about one of the Gopher uh, Athletics coaches and find out just how warm his seat is right now. Right on. So uh, speaking of the TCL TVs, you know, there's a lot of people that still find a way to say in 2018, there's nothing on TV right now. Gosh, this is there's just nothing on TV, especially like during the daytime. Well, that's your problem because you clearly don't have a TCL 4K Roku TV with 4,000 built-in streaming channels in addition to whatever you subscribe to, whether it's cable or satellite. The Roku platform has the most streaming channels like Netflix and Hulu, HBO Now, Fox Sports Go, Big Ten Network, all kinds of sports options. Watch ESPN. There's tons of free content, too, on channels like ABC, CW, YouTube, uh, you name it. So if you haven't experienced the 4k picture quality and the built-in entertainment of a tcl tv you got to check them out local major retailers in the twin cities can hook you up with a little uh, viewing party there and you can also snoop around tclusa.com for america's fastest growing tv brand mackie and judd phil mackie judd zolgad the most meaningless exercise in sports media mackie and judd on 1500 espn now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Oh, my perfect game is over. My perfect game in the HR has come to a crashing end, Mackie. Oh, what, what happened? I don't know where the Batman thing is. The sounder. Oh, All wait, right, wait, so. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, wait. It's in, uh, wait, it's in Aqua Blue Daily Sound. I found it. He got it. Go. I didn't I have to help. Up, I still gave up two hits. <laughs> Zolgad from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie uh, at the Arizona Hubbard Base Studios, which I understand are gorgeous. Dude, it's ridiculous. Um, and, uh, yeah, they have, uh, well. You know, the, just shut up about well, it. Well, the biggest thing with our building is because it's kind of, oh, it's like fortified. Good. We don't have as much or any natural sunlight coming in. And since it's Arizona and there are no clouds ever in Arizona. Every room you walk into here is like a 15 foot high window with sun pouring in. And weather, and it's amazing. Not to make you guys feel bad, but we're doing pretty well out here in uh, Hubbard, Phoenix. I'm just happy I found the Batman transition. <laughs> Dave? I'm considering potting Phil down for the rest of the segment, but <laughs> I'll leave you up just for now. Uh, the Gopher men's hockey team, boys, plays tomorrow, the start of a three-game series against Penn State I in the Big the head, Ten Tournament. I saw the head coach last night. Oh, did you? At how, Mariucci, yeah. How was the head coach down the, at Mariucci last night? We exchanged hellos, and that was about it. No, that's fine. You used to 
you know, co-host his show, but he can't get any more than that. That's fine. Maybe that's a respect issue. Anyway, the Gophers are the fifth seed going into the Big Ten tournament, and that's not where you expect a Gopher hockey team to be, obviously. So let's do one of these. Rating things on a scale of... Wait, doesn't everyone use 1 to 10? And whatever it is, Mackie and Judd are evaluating on a scale of... On 1500 ESPN. If you're in Mark Coyle's seat, on a scale of 1 to that seat is lit up in flames so high you can see him from outer space. How warm is Don Lucia's seat? Oh, um... I believe because of I mean it's still an important job. The, the job isn't nearly as attractive as it used to be, but it's still important. I I, I would say that seat is uh, is the new car that's got the heated seat that's very comfortable. <laughs> yet it's not burning your butt off, and you certainly can't see it from from Mars. So I would say that there's some heat, but you know keep in mind, Coil and Lucia, un- unlike uh, Teague and Lucia, are longtime buddies. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much Don's being blamed for all, all of this. The arena's not empty because of wins and losses. It's empty because of the move to the Big Ten Conference. More so. I'm not saying that there's not frustration with Don, but I would say that this is a heated car seat in January where you can feel it's warm on your rump, but it's sure. not. It's not going to burn it, Phil. Well, I think it. Sh- I'm going to answer this a little bit differently. I think it should be his seat should be as warm as Marvin Lewis's seat should be, but for some reason isn't. You know, Don won a couple championships. Let me think, 2001 too, so almost two decades ago. Yeah. And I don't think anybody, even like, I mean, Don Lucia might not even put up a huge fight if he said, listen, we're certainly not going to frame this as it being your fault, but we got to we got to do something here. It's been almost two decades, and this is supposed to be the state of hockey. It's supposed to be this beacon that collects the top talent. There's all kinds of NHL players that are run through the Gopher Hockey Factory and and put up 25, 30 goal seasons in the NHL and can't bring home a college championship once in the last 17 years. So yeah, you know, I think, I think it should be warmer. Now, in defense of Don Lucia, if you played five and seven-game series, like in the, in the NHL, you play seven-game series. I think the Gophers would have more championships if not for the one-and-done format. Like, they're not losing to Holy Cross four times in seven games, but they could, you could get beaten one game. And um, and so I do I do side with him, and he's been on our show, and he said that, that, you know, in the format that you play in, you get beat once and it's over. But still... 2002 is the last time this program won a championship, and that's too long. Part of your issue now is is I had a long conversation with somebody at the Wild Game a couple nights ago about this very subject and about Lucia's job security. Part of the issue is the job used to be super attractive, right? Like if you said, we're going to fire Don, you could go out and you were the, you were, that was like saying that the Notre Dame football job was open. People would be like, I'd love that job. Well, think about it now. You move to the Big Ten, so you don't draw largely because of that. Uh, All your games used to be on MSC and then Fox Sports North. A lot of them are still on, but not all. And then think about the list of successors. Are you going to promote Gensel? That's not going to excite people. Are you going to go get Grant Patalny back? Yeah, that's fine, but that's not going to be a super big move. Uh, Richards, who coached the Wild, and I think Todd is now an assistant in Tampa Bay, that's not going to excite people. So the so unless you can go to uh, St. Cloud State and cherry pick Motsko, who I think would excite people, there's not a long line of really attractive successors right now. For maybe Miko Koivu wants to coach in a couple of years when he's if done. he wants you know what if he wants that job tomorrow he can have it. <laughs> 
He can have it. Get him off the ice, and I like it behind the bench. Mr. Stoic. You got to hit the button. Got to hit it, Judd. Come on. Come on now. I oh, thought you might have one more thing to say. <laughs> no, that was a double to the gap. You just allowed just a I shot. I got a double? Oh, I, oh, I gave up the you double. You gave up a Fair double. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you I'll got boxing in center, so it had to be a rocket to get the uh, You know what? Too. I'll take that. I'll take but, that. But be honest, if I, right. if I would have said something else, would you have remembered to hit the button after that? I was or? going for it. Dave saw me. No. Okay. no I, my right hand was no, moving you were, towards no, the button. No, your hand was still. You were just looking at me to continue on. Question number two, let's look at the other men's team, big-time men's team that just happened to wrap up a season yesterday with a rather embarrassing loss to Rutgers in the opening round of the Big Ten tournament. Richard Patino. I'm not going to ask you specifically how hot his seat is, but we can get a feel of it by this question. Percent of the blame Richard Patino deserves for how things shook out this year and... What do the Gophers need to do next year to not to have you guys not be worried about how hot his seat is? I think he deserves 50% of the blame because I, I do put a lot on Amir Coffey uh, getting hurt. And, I mean, Nate Mason has had an injury he's played. There's been some injury things. Eric Curry that he just that aren't, that aren't his fault. I mean, Amir Coffey is one of the best players in the conference, and, and he didn't play for most of the conference season. So there's 50% that's just difficult to account for. And I would put some of that, you know, when they found out that Reggie Lynch was exhibiting some bad behavior two years ago, Mark Coyle came in. They put together an off-season program. Um, maybe he's been on his best behavior for two years, but an incident from two years ago comes back to bite him. That's, but like still, Patino brought Reggie Lynch in, so that's partially on him. But the fifty percent that's on him, it's the players who've been in the system, and maybe they're not as talented as Amir Coffey and Nate Mason, but they've had to play big minutes, and they've been completely unprepared in a lot of ways to to add points. And defense, like you shouldn't lose to Rutgers. I don't. I don't care if you're down two or three guys. Yep. You shouldn't lose to Rutgers. So some of this does fall on Patino. I think if you were in the room right now, he'd say the same thing. As for what should happen next year, and I believe he does deserve a chance to come back and try to follow up on what happened a couple of years ago. You get one shot here with this recruiting class of three of the top four players in state. Isaiah Washington was Mr. Basketball in New York. Take a step forward. NCAA tournament for sure or bust for Richard Patino next year? Uh, I would say the blame that I would assess to Patino for this season would be more long lines of 70% because of this. The the fact is the coffee injury was beyond his control and so was Curry. But besides that, the Lynch thing, come on, it, it, you know, that's not, a, that's not a shock. They knew. We didn't know. They knew that that, that could certainly uh, come back to bite them. Uh, the bench was awful. Now, when Curry got hurt, I could accept the fact that you could tell me the bench was going to take a step down, and they certainly did. But as I said at the outset of the show, Kanati and, and Jeju, they can't play. They are unplayable. There should have come a time when Patino said, gentlemen, I like you a lot, but I was wrong. You're not good. Uh, and I would say as far as the expectation goes, and by the way, the buyout right now— for those who are going to talk about it, is still $4.1 million, so it ain't happening. Uh, I would say that you should next year have at least 20 wins again. That was 24 and 10 overall last season. So I would say back to 20 wins, NCAA tournament, or that's probably it. And keep in mind, too, 
Uh, Jelly Fam is going to be a sophomore next year, and you're going to bring in this recruiting class of what? Of uh, three local guys who should help you out. So I'm looking at 20 plus wins, probably an NCAA tournament berth, but I'm putting 70% on him because there were factors that you could see coming. And you know what? They didn't. Uh, they didn't probably address them correctly, including having two guys who were unplayable who had to play off your bench. Yeah. <laughs> pregnant pause. That was a pregnant pause. No, I'm getting good now. I'm cocky. I'm getting cocky with this thing. Now humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Typically, when you're in here, Phil, you kind of control the uh, TCL TV. We've got in the TCL broadcast studios, and you like to watch a little Good Morning Football NFL Network today. Judd has been mostly NHL Network with a little be a little bit of MLB Network sprinkled in the middle here, but he's back to NHL right now. So I want to talk about those networks specifically devoted to the big four, NHL Network, NFL, MLB, and then you got NBA TV. And it's simple, boys. Try to take your biases of, of the sport they cover away as best you can. Simply rank them. Rank the networks if you have to watch them for 24 hours straight. Oh, Just so, the four. So tennis channel doesn't count. Golf channel doesn't count. And I'm taking those off. And take away, okay. and take away the biases as well because that, uh, that clearly is going to change my thinking very, uh, very quickly here. Okay. Uh, if I take away the bias towards the fact that hockey is my favorite sport, I would rank them like this. I would put NFL number one, MLB number two, NHL three, Whoa. and NBA four. If I'm taking away my biases, the NHL's not I like to watch it, but it can be really campy at times and their studios um which are which are actually run by the MLB people, but they are clearly second-class citizens when it comes to those studios, but I will put Good Morning Football in the National Football League Phil Mackey number 1. Wow. Um you know what? I'm going to say number NFL number 1 too. The NFL has has pumped a lot more money into their network and just has a lot more contributors and live programming. Uh, so I, and I'm, I'm going to put them number one as, and they do a lot of great documentaries too. Now the football life, they've got NFL films just sitting there pumping out content for them. So it's hard not to put them number one. Uh, NHL network is number four, just cause I don't watch it very often. That's more uh, up Judd's alley. And I'm going to put uh, you and I are pretty similar major league baseball, number two and NBA TV is number three. What I like about MLB and NBA TV and maybe NHL network does this too with on the fly. Like they have live games all the time. So you, they'll either take the, uh, the home broadcast from somebody on NBA TV or MLB. So you can watch games all the time on those networks, but it is fun having them and they've all done a, a pretty good job. The one like on the golf channel, the beef with the golf channel is if you're going to have Tiger Woods playing at eight o'clock in the morning yes, and it's not going to be televised on, you Stupid. know, whatever, like put the damn thing on. Yep. If you got something, put it on. And by extension, NFL Network also spawned Red Zone Channel. So they get credit for that, too. The greatest, sure. the greatest invention of all time. Yes. The Mackie and Judd, Mackie and Phoenix, Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. We'll catch up with Matthew Collar from the NFL Combine on Viking stuff at 1215 and uh, plenty more between now and 1 o'clock. Phil Mackie, Judd Zogad. This is like a marriage. Mackie and Judd. Might be boring, but it's stable. On 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 Miles Saturday, March 24th. Bring your lumberjack best 
This Minnesota-themed event features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, activities for all ages, plus well, you got to have the hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open now. All runners receive a Storm Creek long-sleeve quarter-zip tactical pullover, and you can find the details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Mackie and Judd, Mackie and Phoenix, Judd Zolgad down uh, or up in the Twin Cities with all of you <laughs> yeah. guys listening. I'm up. Yes. I'm sitting here. I'm I'm already sunburned just standing next to the window here, and it's actually not that oh. warm. It's like I don't know, probably 55. Be careful; 60. those burns can be dangerous. They can come back to get you later in life. They can. Uh, yes, they can. There's plenty SPF, of sunscreen out there. SPF 45 is is always the mm-hmm. way to go. Mm-hmm. So if you missed it earlier, we did a bunch of this earlier in the show. But Mike Zimmer spoke to the assembled media this morning, the, the local beat writers and. Uh, Tom Pelissero was there from NFL Network and Matthew Collar, who's going to join us here pretty soon. And he, so Rick Spielman spent 25 minutes yesterday just dancing around topics and deflecting. And Zimmer came out and said two or three really important things. Yep, we uh, really aren't sure about Bridgewater because it's tough to gauge his readiness. And with Case Keenum, we're not sure if he's the guy that played for us last year or the guy that was a disaster in St. Louis and Houston, so you can't count on him. And, <laughs> like, it, it, the, the know, amount of openness just, was incredible. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's just and great. I think it's awesome. Um, I, I, you know, just to recap, I think they're leaning very heavily now toward Kirk Cousins, all in on Kirk Cousins. And if they have to circle back on Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum, they will. Let me actually play for, for you a Spielman clip, because we've got a few here, Phil, from his Thursday session, just to give you a sense again of the evasiveness, because this compared to, to what we're going to have from Zim is just so delightful. We feel very strongly about moving forward um, because of all of the in-depth knowledge we have on our current three quarterbacks, also the practical uh, game knowledge that we have. On those guys. Do you know how much work went into crafting that non-answer? And then the Zim... practical game knowledge that <laughs> and, we have. And then Zim gets up there today and basically is like, "Yeah, you know, I can't trust. I can't trust Case. You know that. I've been telling you that. I can't trust Case. And and by the way, you know, Sam, it's a degenerative knee issue, so it's never going to come That's back. Right. <laughs> and he's skiing right now, so God knows what's going to happen on the slopes to Sam. And Teddy, I mean, I watched him in practice. Who knows? Yeah. Like, th- this is this is all very obvious. Kirk Cousins is going to be the Vikings quarterback. It, he just is. Unless the Jets get super wacky with guaranteed money. Which they could. They definitely could. They could front load something if they wanted to and maybe sneak in some more guaranteed money in that first year. Because they've got a lot more cap room than the Vikings have. So unless the Jets get totally wacky to the point where it's just a huge gap in guaranteed money, it sounds like Cousins wants to win. He's going to make life-changing money. Uh, and Mike Zimmer doing the drive-by shootings of all three quarterbacks <laughs> on his roster at the press conference after, today is the best. After his GM worked so hard not to tell the media or the public anything. Ack, 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 just drives by of course, with his words. Of course, our quarterback position is very important, and because of that, we're going to pursue the best quarterback yeah. possible for the Minnesota Vikings LLC. Zim, well, here's what's going on. Keenum, I mean, you saw him against Philadelphia. He was yes. terrible. Thank you, uh, Mike Zimmer. Oh. So uh, let's keep the Mike Zimmer thing going, the Mike Zimmer honesty theme, because he was honest about something else, too, that happened in the last month or so. He offered up his explanation for why the organization blocked Kevin Stefanski from not only taking the interview with Pat Shermer's New York Giants, but probably just flat out getting the offensive coordinator job, right? I mean, that was the steam. And so Mike Zimmer offered up his explanation for why they did that. 
And you know what? I agree with Mike Zimmer. Let's talk about that when we come back here. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. I'm down in Phoenix, and then we'll catch up with Matthew Collar from the Combine in about 15 or 20 minutes from now.